we had to do for this one particular day, I remember, was just put fence up. That's literally all we did all day. And um, the posts were already set, so all the hard work was really done. There was not a whole lot that we had to do other than reach into our pouch, pull out some fence staples, put them up, and hammer them in. Okay, the tractor was doing all the, all the stretching of the fence. It was not really that hard of work. But I remember that particular day sweating like I have never sweat before. And if any of you know me, you know that I sweat an awful lot. And uh, perhaps this jacket may come off tonight because I'm already sweating. It's hot in here. But I, sweat, I remember sweating through the shirt that I had on. It was just gross. It was nasty. And I remember the feeling of thirst that I had. I just remember being parched. I could drink so much water right now. I could drink. We used to have those big jugs that we used to take to baseball games and all kinds of stuff. And we had those big jugs at work. And I would try to, I could drink probably one of those whole things. I was so thirsty. And I remember drinking so much that my stomach hurt. Oh, I just, I can still picture that. And it's just, I drank so much because I was so thirsty that my stomach hurt. Well, I was still thirsty. My stomach hurts, I have too much water in there, and I'm still thirsty. You see, the problem was this. My body hadn't um, taken all of that in yet and, and processed it all. And so it still made me thirsty. You see, thirst tells us that we are lacking something. Thirst is a thing that tells us that we're lacking something in our body. And actually, you're already dehydrated by the time you're thirsty. By the time you're thirsty, you're actually already starting dehydration. So thirst is telling you, hey, you're lacking something in your body. And so I remember having that problem, still thirsty, still waiting for water. My stomach hurts so bad that I have so much water in it. I need some of that water to get processed through so that I'm not thirsty anymore. Our passage tonight says nothing about thirst. (laughs) But it does show us how to make them thirsty. I want to preach to you a message tonight I've entitled, Make Them Thirsty. Acts chapter 9. We get to shift our attention a little bit here to Peter. We've been talking about Saul and the things that he is doing, but Peter has been doing some traveling and encouraging his, some of the disciples throughout the area. The last time we saw him, if you'll remember, um, was in Samaria. Philip was around preaching and talking and, and um, leading people to Christ and baptizing people. And so Peter goes there and starts talking and actually um, heals a man. And uh, remember, Simon um, was one, uh, a sorcerer that wanted some of the power that Peter and John had. But we get to see Peter used in an amazing way here in our passage. So let's pick up our story here in Acts chapter 9 and verse 32. The Bible says this. And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed. And he arose and immediate, and he arose immediately, excuse me. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him, watch this, and turned to the Lord. Notice all that. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to to the Lord, verse 36, and there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called my favorite name in all the Bible, Dorcas. 
This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her life. And it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. I want to preach to you again, as I said, make them thirsty. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to uh, have this time where we can spend in your word. Father, I pray that it would not be a waste of our time, but it would be a, a profitable use of it. Father, that we would understand how we can best make people thirsty for you. Father, I pray that you would guide us and direct us in that. I also pray that and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at this story, what do you think? You don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it. What do you think would cause people in this story to turn to Christ? Just think about it for a little bit. What is it that you think would make people thirsty and pant for what Jesus is called the living water? What in this story do you see? Most of us would begin our search with Peter, right? Most of us would begin our search looking at the man who kind of orchestrated the whole thing. So let me ask you this question. Was, what was it that Peter did to heal these people? What was it that he did for many people to come to know Christ? So let's look at Peter. Let's look at his life. I want to show you Peter. Number one, Peter went. Very simply, he went. Let's look at the passage again, verse 32, the Bible says this, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Jump down to verse 39, there are two stories here. Then Peter arose and went with them. You see, Peter did exactly as Christ had commanded him to do. Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Just go, go out, go places, be somewhere. Don't stay in Jerusalem. Notice he's not staying in Jerusalem. He's going out. He was in Samaria not too long ago. Now he's in Lydda. Then he's in Joppa. He's going places. He's, he's being places. He's being outside of the church. He's being outside in the world. He's spending time with disciples. He's exhorting them. He's edifying them. He's building them up. He's doing all of those things because Christ told him to go. We have been given the same command. We can at the same time claim Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. We can claim Mark chapter 16. We can claim those verses that so often we look at as the great commission that we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's for us. 
That's our responsibility. That's something that we need to do. That's, that's something that we need to get out of our home and we need to get out of our uh, comfort area and just go tell the gospel. That's exactly what Peter's doing. So if you want to learn anything from Peter, learn that he went. We should not be shut up in our homes or shut up in our church waiting for people to come see us. Listen, we have people come see us, and that's great. But that's not the command. The command is to go. So we should be going out and telling other people. We should be preaching the gospel. So listen, we can spend a lot of time here focusing on the, fa- on the fact that Peter went. But I want to move along and I want, to see, I want you to see the second thing that Peter did. He simply saw the needs. Simply saw the needs. If you would, look at verse 33 with me. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. If you jump down to verse 38. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. He saw the need. Hey, there's a need going on here. Hey, we're going to send two men to Peter. Peter, we have a need. This lady's passed away. And hey, there's this man laying here. He's been here for eight years. Aeneas, he is sick of the palsy. In both instances, Peter saw there was a need. You see, we turn a blind eye oftentimes. And Peter did not. Perhaps, I, I would think, and in fact, as you look at the story of the book of Acts thus far, the, what, we've, what we've studied, act, or excuse me, Peter is looking for these opportunities. You go to the gate, beautiful. He and John are going in for, for the time of prayer, and they look down and they see this man begging at the gate, beautiful. And Peter goes over to him and says, Hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give thee. And he says, Give me your hand and look at me. Takes his hand and says, rise up and walk. And the man walks and jumps. And So I believe, I mean, I could be completely wrong here, but I believe Peter's walking around looking for these people. Walking around looking for needs that he can fulfill, needs that he can, he can uh, help, uh, things that he can do. It was as if he was the, if you will, good Samaritan. You see, we look at the story of the Good Samaritan and we see the priest and the Levite, the two who really should have helped the Good Samaritan out, we see that they turn a blind eye. They look, but they turn a blind eye. They saw the need, but they turned away and the Good Samaritan sees the need and does something about it. You see, Peter was the same way. Peter saw the need. Listen, there are needs all around us. Every single day, every single person, neighbors, coworkers, family members, all of us have people that have a need. All of us have people that have a spiritual need all around us. Spiritual needs are all around us. Do we see them? Do we see that there are people that have the need? You see, it's so easy to have a mentality that, hey, we're going to heaven, so I don't have to worry about anything. It's so easy for us to get forget that the people around us are dying and going to hell. So easy for us to forget that. It's so easy for us to forget that God loves those people just as much as he loves us. Sometimes we get the um, consumer mentality or the you owe me mentality and say, listen, I've got what I need. I'm entitled to, to what I have. And you know what? I don't care about anybody else. 
God has been good to me and that's all I care about. And we forget that God loves those people just as much as he loves us. So let me ask you very simply, Peter saw the need. Do you see the needs? Do you see the needs? So again, in this passage, we could focus on Peter. We could focus on the fact that he went. We could focus on the fact that he saw the needs. But I think the third thing that we might want to look at is that he had the power of Christ. He absolutely had the power of Christ. There's no doubting in reading these two stories that Peter had the power of Christ on his life. God was working. The miracles that he performed here are amazing. He healed a man that was sick of the palsy. He raised a lady from the dead. And these are without a doubt miracles done, not in his own power, but by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know if there's a person in this room tonight that does not want the power of Jesus Christ on their life. Raise your hand if you would love to be able to heal somebody. Anybody? I would. I got people I'd go to right now. Thinking, of, thinking about them right now, I just wish all I had to do was slap them in the forehead, and that's all it took. Honestly, I wish that so badly. Listen, there's not one of us that wants the power of God on their lives to see people saved. There's not one of us that doesn't want the power of God so badly that we would do almost anything to get it. We want the power of God. We understand the power of the power of God. We understand what it brings. We understand how it works. We can look at the book of Acts and we have been and watch the power of God work over and over and over and over and over again. Listen, the power of God was real in Peter's lives. You don't raise somebody from the dead without the power of God. You don't heal somebody, the sick of the palsy, without the power of God. We all want to be the ones performing miracles. We all want to have this power so listen, you can focus on the life of Peter and you can point to these three things and just say, man, if I just had these three things, I would make people thirsty. If I just had the fact that I would go, if I just had the fact that I could see the need, if I just had the power of God, then people would be thirsty for Christ then people would want that living water. Then people would be moved. After all, Peter did these things. Many people trusted Christ as their personal Savior. You see the correlation, don't you? I'm not over your head, right? Everybody's with me? See the correlation that Peter heals these people and many people get saved. Peter does something amazing and many people get saved. You see, there's a severe correlation here. I think we need to pay attention to it. Wouldn't it be amazing to have that ability? Wouldn't it be amazing to have something that, that when you did this, people just got saved? I would love it. But to be honest with you, I think this is the wrong focus. I believe all of these things are good things. I believe that we should be going. I believe that we should be uh, um, looking for needs. And I believe that we should want the power of God. I, I believe that with my whole heart. I think they're great things. I think they're wonderful things. I think we should be striving for them. But sometimes I think this makes us focused on, hear it, doing. It makes us focus on doing. 
So what else or who else is there in this passage that we could learn from? There's no doubt Peter had an amazing part in this. But who else is in this passage that we can learn from? Who else is in this passage that made people thirsty for Christ? Well, I want to show you the second thing very simply, the individuals. The individuals. Two individuals in this that I want you to pay attention to. And I love the fact that God is an individual God. These stories are not in the Bible as just some random people. These are stories in the Bible of specific people. Specific individuals. The two individuals that I want to draw your attention to are Aeneas and Tabitha, or Dorcas. You say, Pastor Yeomans, they did nothing. They absolutely did nothing. They didn't do anything. They weren't something special. They didn't do anything. Well, that's exactly correct. You're exactly right. Thank you for paying attention. That's the first thing that I want you to notice about these two people. The first thing that I want you to notice about these two people is that they did nothing. Did nothing. Let's look at the passage. Aeneas. Look there in verse, 30, uh, verse 33. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Palsy being paralyzed. For eight years he was paralyzed. Now we don't know if he was paralyzed from the hips down, from the neck down. We don't know where. We just know he's paralyzed. And all he could do, all Aeneas could do was lay there on his bed for eight years. Could he go? No, he could not go. Could he see the needs of other people? Well, probably. He could probably see everybody else's needs, but could he do anything about it? No. And there's no account anywhere in Scripture that Aeneas had the power of God on his life. We don't see that anywhere. Aeneas did nothing. But look at what the Bible says in verse 9, or excuse me, verse 35. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him, being Aeneas, and turned to the Lord. He did nothing. But because of this man, because of Aeneas, people in two cities found the Lord. Well, let's look at Tabitha. Tabitha was dead. You know what dead people do? Nothing. They do nothing. Someday all of you are going to do nothing. Because you're dead, you can't do anything when you're dead. You're just there, you're just laying there. Tabitha was just dead. See, we could focus a little bit more on what Tabitha did before she died. She made things, she gave things, she was a, uh, was a charitable giver, if you will. She tried to help people out, and you see these widows that are standing around her bedside saying, listen, you know, this is all the things that she made us. You need to raise her from the dead. She was amazing, she's a wonderful lady. But listen, that's not what turned people to Christ, all the things that she did beforehand. The f- thing that turned her to Christ was the fact that she did nothing. She absolutely did Nothing. These two people, if you will, literally did nothing. I hope you're scratching your head right now. Pastor Yeomans, are you saying that we should not go? Are you saying that we should not try to see the need? Are you saying that we should not have the power of Christ? 
and just sit around and do nothing? Potentially. I want you to notice something, though. I want you to notice that in this passage, these two people did nothing. But Christ did everything. I want you to notice with me in verse 34, and Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. I want you to notice that in verse 40, but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, praying to Christ, praying to God. Listen to this. God literally changed their lives. God literally moved them from death in Tabitha's case unto life, from sick of the palsy, not able to do anything but lay on his bed, to jumping around carrying his bed. God literally changed their life. God was open and God was obvious in their lives. Beforehand, nothing. And now all of a sudden Christ has done everything. The people that were around them knew that something was different about them. The people around them knew, hey, Aeneas, you're not paralyzed anymore. What happened? What's going on? Why are you, why are you jumping around? Because Jesus Christ made a difference. Tabitha, I thought you were dead. Tabitha, I thought you were, what, what happened? Jesus did something in my life. You see, Jesus was open and, and obvious in their life. There is not one person in the world that could raise somebody from the dead. There's not one person in the world that could heal somebody sick of the palsy. It had to be Jesus. It had to be him. He was written all over this thing. It was nothing that Peter could have done. It was nothing that Tabitha could have done. It was nothing that Aeneas could have done. It was Christ. It was Christ. Let's apply this. What if every day we just let God do everything in our lives? I hope some of you are thinking, I'm not really sure what that means. What if every single day we just let God do everything in our lives? What if every day we paralyzed ourselves or died to our flesh? And every day we, the fleshly we, did nothing. What if every day we just died to self? What if every day we just killed our flesh, mortified the flesh? What if every day we just let God do everything? Do you think that people would notice a difference? Let's be honest with ourselves. Do you think people would notice a difference? Do you think people would see a difference in our lives, something that's passed from death unto life and has life and light and, and water and amazing things flowing out of it? Do you think people would notice? Would people be thirsty for what we have? 
if we died to ourselves every single day and let Christ do everything through us? Do you think there were people be, that would be thirsty for that? Do you think that people would realize what they are lacking? You see, I think the problem with our society is not so much that people are lacking something. It's because they don't realize they're lacking something. Because Christians can act just like everyone else. That doesn't make anybody thirsty. You see, thirst is, real, is your body telling you that you're lacking something. You don't know that you're lacking something. You don't know that you're thirsty. You don't understand that. Then you're not going to put in water. God gave us that mechanism. God gave us that feeling so that we would know we need to put water in. You see, there are so many people walking around that have no idea that they need Christ because they don't see a difference in anything else. They're wandering around in darkness having no idea that light even exists. So what if every single day we just died to ourselves and did nothing and let Christ live through us? What if? How are we to accomplish this? Go to John chapter 7 with me if you would. I'm almost finished. John 7. John chapter 7 verse 37. John 7 verse 37. The Bible says in the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Seems pretty obvious, but verse 38, he says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. You know what he's saying? Live a spirit-filled Christian life. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The fact of the matter is, these people, the most important people that I believe in this passage that were being th making people thirsty did absolutely nothing. They just allowed God to do something in their lives. Dead to flesh, literally in one instance. But people seeing her alive, seeing her change, that made them thirsty and that made many come to Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, Jesus says that ye are the light of the world. Seemingly apparent in contradiction. But if we're studying this and we understand what's going on here, I believe that the Bible is saying, listen, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And when you know Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking to his disciples. He's saying, listen, ye are the light of the world. You are Christians. Little Christ." You're supposed to be acting like I act. You're supposed to be doing like I do. But you can only do that if you die and do nothing. 
and allow Christ to live through you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, we are light. And our light should be exactly directly reflective of the glory of God. That's depressing, isn't it? Our light should be exactly, directly the same glory of God as is shining in heaven. And so often, we want to do something. We want to get in the way. We want to have everybody notice us. We want everybody to look at us. We want to be Peter. Hey, look at what I did. Look at how I can do this. Look at the power that I have. We want to be that light and we want to be that water. But listen, all we are is conduit. We're a mirror or reflection of that light. Jesus Christ should be flowing through us. Jesus Christ should be shining through us. People should never see Johnny Yeomans. They should see Christ. Because I need to, I personally, my physical fleshly body needs to do nothing. And Christ needs to do everything. Again, how do you think it is that we do that? Practically. I think practically we need to fill ourselves with God so much that the only thing that comes out is God. Fill ourselves so much with God that the only thing that comes out is God. Fill ourselves so much with God that the only thing that ever comes out is God. People have no choice but to turn to God. They're so thirsty for God, all they see day after day after day after day after day is God. They just see God. They want God. They want to know God. They want to understand why this person is acting differently than the other people are. Now they're thirsty. Will you allow them to see that they are in darkness? The only way they'll see that is if they find the light. Will you allow them to see that The light is so much better than darkness. Will you allow them to drink of the living water of Jesus Christ? Will you allow them to see God in you? You want to know the worst part about all this? Is we're in control of that. God will never force us. God will never force our light out. God will never force living water out of us. We are in complete and utter control of this. I hate that. There are times in my life when I'll be honest with you, I just want to be a robot. And just say, God, just tell me what to do. Just tell me exactly what you want me to do. Don't make me guess. Don't make me try to understand. Just tell me what to do. Just want to be a robot today. But that's not how God works, is it? God wants you to choose for people to see. 
him through you. He wants you to choose to put him in. He wants you to choose to, to be filled with the Spirit. He wants you to choose to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He wants you to choose that for yourselves. Because when you choose that, you know what you're doing? You're placing him on a pedestal. And you're just like John the Baptist when you say, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know what John said? You know what John's whole goal in life was? To tell everybody, behold, the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. What's your whole goal in life? Can pe people see in your life, behold, the Lamb of God? Just take away the sin of the world. Do people see that in you? Do people see that in you? Do you die to yourself? If we will allow people to see God in us, then, then I believe that Peter's job and role here is important. Because then when we go, our going will be far more productive. And then when we see the need, we won't be so drained because we're doing it in our own flesh. We'll have the power of Jesus Christ on our lives because we've spent so much time with him. You see, I had spent a lot of time getting ready to preach on Peter and the things that he did in order to heal these people, for other people to be saved. But really, Peter had nothing to do with it either. It was all Christ. God just used vessels. God just used people. You know what? God's trying to use some of you. Will you allow it? Will you let it happen? We should be doing nothing. We should be letting Christ do everything. That's what will make people thirsty. Die to self. What does that look like very, very practically speaking? Very practically speaking means that every decision that you make every single day, every single moment of, everything, of every day is with Christ in mind. Would Christ be pleased with how I'm talking to my neighbor? Would Christ be pleased with, I mean, fill in the blank, you fill in the blank. Would Christ be pleased with that? Is this what Christ would do? Let Christ be seen in you. Be the living water that just makes people thirsty. Let them know that Christ is something to be held, something to be had. You never know what will happen. Two cities, two full cities, Lydda and Saren, says that every one of them turned to Christ because one man did nothing. 